Holland alumni is in an informal way an extremely effective network that helps you to get things done. And it is about the Dutch-Indonesian relationship today and tomorrow. You are listening to Our People Abroad, Nuffix podcast series in which journalist Mike Cooper interviews the directors and chief representatives of the 10 NESOs, Netherlands Education Support Offices, around the world. The directors talk to Mike about their lives overseas and their work for the Dutch higher education sector. The Netherlands Education Support Offices are located in countries that are strategically important for Dutch higher education. Brazil, China, India, Indonesia, Mexico, Russia, South Africa, South Korea, Turkey and Vietnam. They were set up with funding from the Dutch Ministry of Education, Culture and Science. I'm Mike Cooper, and on behalf of Nefik, I'm interviewing their people abroad. Today, our guest is Peter Van Tal. Peter Van Tal is director of the biggest NASO, NASO Indonesia. He has been in charge of this office since 2017. To some extent, NASO Indonesia also plays a regional role across Southeast Asia as a whole. Asia has clearly stolen Peter's heart, and although he's worked in various fields and different countries in the region, he's become a real Indonesia specialist. And with a great feel for both Dutch and Indonesian cultures, he steers his NASO with style. This is a lockdown edition of the Our People Abroad podcast. So instead of sitting around a table in our studio in The Hague, we are all at our home offices using video conferencing software. This might make our conversations sound a little different, but they will certainly be no less interesting content-wise. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Peter. Thank you, Mike, for having me this afternoon. Very happy to talk to you from home. Great. Um, I gather, as usual with the podcast, for, for the regular listener at least, we are, you have brought along a soundbite for us to, to project us straight in, in an audio fashion to, to the location of Indonesia. Um, perhaps you could play it and we could talk about what you've, what you've brought along. Please. <laughs> that sounds a little bit familiar. What, what was it exactly? Uh, this was mostly the frogs in my garden. You know, Mike, I was born in The Hague and I live in Indonesia. And a major difference is at night in The Hague, it is silent. In the tropics, it is never silent. There is always the sound of nature. So that typifies for me Indonesia and living there. Right, and and you don't uh, get kept awake by the nature? No, not really. Uh, nights are different, of course. You sleep early, you rise early. Uh, Indonesia is a country uh, close to the equator, so it's uh, six o'clock in the morning, boom, there is the sun. And six o'clock in the evening, boom, the sun disappears. No long right. nights, um, uh, uh, but... Um, 
it uh, that is different, but uh, it, it. So you don't actually like, can I can I get that straight? You don't have seasons in Indonesia. No, there is a wet season and a dry season, but there is uh, it's not like the Netherlands, a country with four seasons. It's wet or it's dry, and it's always hot. Oh right, um, but <laughs> it sounds like you enjoy that. Um, do you speak Indonesian yourself? I do. I uh, have learned the language uh, while I was studying and I have improved it in practice. And by now, I guess it's fair to say I'm pretty fluent in speaking Basque Indonesia. Uh, right. So, well, you you studied modern Asian history, right? And and worked in the, the region for quite a while. What's What is the attraction of, what's been this attraction of Asia for you? Asia is... Um, you know, the 21st century is the century of Asia, probably. It has very ancient histories and civilizations. Uh, and in particular in Indonesia, people are very friendly. And of course, back to the frogs, the nature is beautiful. And um, uh, I have been attracted in particular by the friendliness of the people the, right. and the differences in which they approach life uh, in general. Uh, what, can you name perhaps a couple of those differences? What, what do you see as being key, um, uh, key differences that you notice? Well, for example, Dutch people are very direct in Indonesia and Southeast Asia. People communicate in indirect ways. Messages are being brought in a soft way or via another person. Uh, mm. And I find that sympathetic and um, humane. Uh, right. And so that is uh, an, an important difference. So you have to kind of learn how to communicate in that way yourself as being a, being a native Dutchman. Absolutely, absolutely. Did that take a long time for you? Uh, it took quite some time. It took uh, being taken by the hand by some good teachers, I think. I, I, it's, it's fair to say I've worked with a lot of interesting people in Indonesia who took the time to give me feedback also on my behavior. And of course, I am married to an Indonesian woman for almost 30 years now. And there is no accountability when it comes to cultural differences than being married to someone from another country. Right, that's uh, so the one of I've the best. Learned uh, a lot. I've learned a lot from my wife and from my family. You've had the best teachers. Yes. You mentioned earlier that the, the part of the attraction is the is the nature. However, is it not true that you live in the middle of a giant megalopolis, Jakarta? Yes. So it's very important to get out of it from time to time, uh -huh. uh, which is possible, fortunately. Uh, if you drive out in about an hour, you're in the mountains. Right. Um, but yes, Jakarta is an intense city. Millions of people, heavy traffic, hot, polluted, but also exciting and interesting. Yeah, that, that must make the difference. Um, Indonesia, from, from a Western point of view, is, is kind of mind-boggling, with 18,000 islands covering 2 million square meters, with a population of... 267 million citizens. It ranges like from underdeveloped outlying regions to the buzzing metropolis of, of Jakarta, as you've just mentioned. Um, as tourists, we know about great food and weather and surfing in Bali and jungle trekking in Borneo in the east and Sumatra in the west. 
but it's still got a number of challenges and, and several areas have recently been affected by water problems such as such as flooding. Um, just before the world went into this lockdown, uh, there was a state visit by the Dutch king and queen combined with a trade mission um, and which had education as one of its main themes, I believe, and an important role was played by NISO Indonesia. Could you tell us a little bit more about that state visit and how significant it was for the educational links between the two countries? The state visit was uh, a big success and it was very significant for the very good relationships between Indonesia and the Netherlands in the field of education and collaboration and scientific research. Um, scientific research was highlighted in um, a series of events in the University of Gajamada in Yogyakarta, which okay. is the capital of central Java, uh, where we had seminars that focused on different issues like biodiversity, the collaboration in research on health and, yes, infectious diseases, uh, very relevant for corona, Mm. Uh, and also the collaboration in the field of law studies, uh, which traditionally has always been a strong point in the bilateral relationship because for historical reasons, Indonesian law has a lot of roots in Dutch law, even though it has evolved over time. But still, you will see many Indonesians studying law in the Netherlands and very strong relationships in the legal field. We presented the results of those seminars for the king and queen, and we were announcing a week of Indonesia-Netherlands education and research, which we initially had scheduled to take place in June, which will now, because of the lockdown, happen a bit later. But right. so the relationship is so mature that the two countries together, the ministries, the education sector say, we're going to organize every year one week in which we celebrate this part of our relationship because it is at the heart of what we want to do and be together in the years to come. Uh, wow, that's uh, really a, a groundbreaking initiative then. Yes, um, and uh, we are... You know, we are in full swing to organize it because of the circumstances now have to postpone it, but it will definitely come back. And during the week of the state visit, you could see uh, on both sides, you know, there was Holland alumni, Indonesians that have studied in the Netherlands all over the program. They were talking to the business delegates about what kind of services to access if you want to invest in Indonesia. Uh, yeah. The king and queen visited a chocolate factory owned by a Holland alumni, a woman who really in an interesting way resources her products in a sustainable way. She buys cacao from Aceh, from Papua, works with farmers, puts women in middle management positions in her factory. So an excellent example of someone who builds a sustainable economy. Uh, and of course, Queen Maxima loved the chocolate. <laughs> I can imagine. Um, what, why are these links between the Netherlands and Indonesia so important? And why, why is it also so successful, do you think? I think it is successful because it has long historical roots. Um, and, um, you know, there is a large Indonesian community in the Netherlands. There's a pretty large Dutch community in Indonesia. Indonesian and Dutch higher education institutions often have very old bonds. Uh, many Indonesian universities after Indonesian independence have been created by Indonesians who studied in the Netherlands. Uh, 
Um, All right. And uh, so there is a lot of exchange. Uh, the, so the relationship is really in the people. Right. So it's 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 deeply rooted um, because of the historical links and the way that the two countries, after the the difficult beginnings, have evolved their relationship into a more practical, um, uh, equal situation. Yeah. So this was also highlighted during the state visit. There is uh, for sure no country outside the European Union where Dutch higher education institutions are involved as much as in Indonesia. Um, and this applies both for the research universities and the universities of applied sciences. Uh, so, for example, if we have education fairs normally around October, November in Jakarta and in other cities in Indonesia, we have up to 30 Dutch universities who will send representatives there, far more than any other country outside Europe. Wow, yeah, that's, that's a big number, 30 institutions. From the total of uh, how many universities we have in total, forty nine, I think. Right. So the yeah, that's uh, almost seventy five percent of all the and uh, of all the uh, educational institutions. Yeah. There you go. And it's it strikes me always, Mike, if I travel around Indonesia, which of course I do for my work, mm-hmm. every time I come across new stories. You know, oh, in our university here in Surabaya, we have this and this professor from Nijmegen coming every year, and you know. There is there is so many bonds uh, between institutions between people. It's almost like an ecosystem, and I exemplify that because I'm often asked because I'm the Nuvigneso director. Please, you know, give me an overview of this relationship. As a matter of fact, nobody has the overview because there is so much going on. Right, it's so intertwined and so complex that there is no no overview to be found. No. Because it's so successful and so mature then, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, I would say. And I'm also very happy that we're, we're way beyond the point of this, this sort of unevenness in the relationship. Um, where people are really working together in research teams. There is exchange of professors and teachers. And we also see increasingly Dutch students uh, coming to Indonesia. That also happened during the state visit. We had a Dutch student in the University Gajamada, where the Queen, uh, King and Queen were visiting, uh, who spoke yep. to the Queen. We had uh, students from the Breda University of Applied Sciences uh, when the King and the Queen went to Lake Toba in North Sumatra, who were working with Indonesians there on a living lab focused on sustainable tourism. So, you know, also that is a, a very... Um, uh, hopeful and interesting development that more and more young Dutch people go to Indonesia to do an internship, to study, to do a summer course. There's not so much offer of English language um, courses yet, of course, but the internationalization of universities in Indonesia is certainly taking off. So I hope that uh, we will see a lot more happen in that regard. Yeah, that sounds like a very interesting development. Uh, that the that there is so much interest with within young people at the moment to to go to out to Indonesia. Um, I have to ask you this: we we have heard, of course, of the recent decision by the Dutch Ministry of Education to phase out the NISO network. Obviously, we can't say too much at this point. What the specific effects of this move will be, because it's not it's all rather unknown at the moment. But could you? perhaps explain to our listeners how this decision has affected you personally. 
Well, it, um, I f find it disappointing, of course, that um, apparently not everyone in the Netherlands um, uh, sees the importance of our work. Yet, uh, the same discussion uh, also created a lot of support. We received a lot of supportive messages uh, from inside the government and also from our key stakeholders, the universities and the students. Um, I cannot imagine that our office, which has been there since 1997, will be closed uh, because I believe that it fulfills essential functions in support of the Dutch knowledge sector, Dutch higher education institutions and the bilateral relationship. Who is going to manage the thousands of alumni, all the relationships we have with them, which are invaluable for business, for social relationships, for economic and political relationships? Um, who is going to support, uh, as we did during the state visit, linking those alumni to Dutch businessmen that come to Indonesia? Who is going to support Dutch students that want to come to Indonesia? Um, there are so many things that we do uh, and that contribute to the heart of this strategic relationship because you were just referring to Asia. This is not just Indonesia. Indonesia is the stepping stone to Southeast Asia, uh, which is a key region uh, that will help the Netherlands also to prosper in the years to come. Yeah, well, thanks very much for that. Um, perhaps we could also move move on to talk about your current work at NESO Indonesia, which, as you mentioned, is the biggest office in the NESO network. Um, what are you working on at the moment and, and with whom? And perhaps you could also explain to us something you touched on, which is the greater role of NESO Indonesia within the Southeast Asian region as a whole. Sure. Well, let me just start with an example, because I think that will help to clarify what we do. Um, I was just mentioning uh, the Living Lab tourism in North Sumatra. Uh, and I like to talk about it because I think it is just such a good example. Could I interrupt you there a minute, Peter? Could you just briefly explain what a Living Lab is to our listeners who may not be familiar? <laughs> it's a lab where things are alive, Mike. And they are <laughs> oh. alive because uh, you we bring in uh, representatives from government, from the education institutions and from the business sector. And we let them work together with students to develop business ideas. So let's look at North Sumatra. There's Lake Toba, which is a beautiful lake, huge surroundings. If you have the opportunity to go to the, the royal website, you can still see the pictures there of the king and queen. Ah. Indonesia says... We want to develop this into a site where more tourists will come. Now, that needs a lot to be done. That needs infrastructure development. That needs waste and water management so that the lake will be clean. It also needs a lot of education. It needs education uh, at the level of uh, what we would say in Dutch, middelbaar beroepsonderwijs, uh, vocational training in English. Right. Um, and um, because you need people who will be a receptionist in a hotel or who will guide tourists around the lake, uh, etc. Exactly, yeah. But you also need 
planning at a larger level. We bring together different stakeholders. We bring in the Breda University of Applied Sciences, who works in a network with seven other Dutch knowledge institutions. They bring their students there. They work together with Indonesian students. And then they look at different business ideas. Can we develop a cycle route here? Uh, the North Sumatra government came with a number of sites that they see as potential uh, for it to, to, to develop an attraction. Uh, some old buildings, for example, can be turned into museums. Then groups of students look at those sites and see if they can develop a business plan around it. Right. Is it like a kind of brainstorming session yeah. or is it does actual concrete things come out of such a, a such a living lab the the purpose is exactly that and not everything will succeed of course but the purpose is exactly that the students develop it so the students learn together so there are learning goals yeah but then the product is that concrete business development ideas are being brought to the fore, which ultimately we can bring to government to approve and, of course, to investors. And I assume that the business people involved in these labs also will tell the students, no, no, that's never going to work, That there's no business model there. Or, exactly. that's a great idea, let's think of a business model and shall we develop it? Is that is that kind of how it works, as, exactly. a, as dialogue brainstorm? Uh, they provide the reality check. And they provide the information. And what I think is also interesting to share is how we involve alumni. Because like in other regions in Indonesia, we have Holland alumni in North Sumatra. So we organized a workshop together with the provincial government. And it was so interesting to see, Mike, uh, that where all the, the levels of society and business where we found the alumni. There was one who was in the association of hotel owners. There were three working for the provincial government. There was another one in the banking sector. I think that's sorry to interrupt you again, but I, I think that's a terribly important point, which I feel often is overlooked when discussing the NASOs and their role, is, is the alumni. Because those individuals who in the past have, have been involved in the Dutch education system are currently, as you've just mentioned, in, in quite high positions in the high hierarchy of the country. And that's a really essential for the younger people to be able to learn from them, right? And to be able to network with them. Exactly. So we now have, and we're not talking about hundreds of people, there we have a network of 25, 30 alumni who, of course, love to contribute to the development of their own region. It's very concrete. And who are sympathetic to the Netherlands, who have an affinity with our country, so who like also to help receiving these Dutch students. And at the same time, you know, it's almost like the oil in the machine. The moment you have an issue with the provincial government, you have a few friends to call and say, you know, hey, what's going on? Can you talk to somebody? Have I missed some information? So it is in an informal way, an extremely effective network that helps you to get things done. In a positive right, sense. And, and this yeah. assumably, uh, this presumably helps all these collaborations as well with with uh, institutions such as the, the the Dutch embassy, the the Indonesian government, but also the higher education institutions in the Netherlands and Indonesia. Is that is that right? Right. 
So, so, and of course, everything we do is in close collaboration with the embassy. But uh, I, I trust you, you appreciate while I elaborate this example a bit more in detail, because, you know, the richness of what we do is often in these details. And I also say it because people sometimes think that, oh, alumni, that is just like nice small social talk people like to see each other and uh reminisce about the old days in the netherlands yes they just think everybody's having a glass of wine and not actually doing anything when in fact the role of the alumni is essential in getting things done this is you know that's why it is it is it is about indonesia today and it is about the dutch indonesian relationship today and tomorrow. Um, right. And um, we can do, again, you saw that during the state visit, as you said, um, you know, at the airport, the king and queen are received by the Indonesian Minister of Foreign Affairs, who is a Holland alumni. I mean, you know, it starts right there. Yeah, right. So and that's it goes a, that's on during the whole visit. Yeah, that's a great illustration of, of, of the importance of the, of the role of the alumni. Could you underline the role of the NASO within that um, uh, uh, network that you have. So you have the you have the, the 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 embassies, you have the local politicians and local government and local educational institutions. How does the NASO itself actually work within that um, within that system? So basically, could you explain to me and the listener what your role is? Okay, first of all, you have to imagine our office is in the embassy. We are not diplomats, of course, but yeah. it means we have a the shortest possible working relationship with the embassy people. Um, and I think if you want to summarize it, it's fair to say that we are the executive arm of the Dutch knowledge po- d- diplomacy, um, which means that, of course, political steering comes from the embassy. That is not our job. But the moment that the embassy would like to see an event organized. The uh, moment the embassy uh, is looking for alumni to be involved somewhere, then we can make sure that that happens. And of course, we also do very concrete things like um, uh, we still have a designated program for scholarships in Indonesia, the Stunet, Studeren in Nederland scholarships, which is still continuing as we speak. Um, We run the Orange Knowledge Program for Indonesia. We run uh, a a big project supported by the European Union that supports student mobility within the ASEAN countries. There we touch upon the Southeast Asia component in our work. Uh, Yeah, could you remember, ASEAN, that's a group of Southeast Asian countries, right? Could you remind me again of which countries that is? That is Vietnam, Thailand, uh, Malaysia, Myanmar, Philippines, Singapore, Indonesia itself, of course, Laos, Cambodia. Um, Have I covered them all? I think think so. so. (laughs) I'm afraid my knowledge is limited, but I just wanted to, to, because it's a big area, right? It's a lot of countries and it's an important uh, network to have access to. Sure. And um, so what we do with support from the European Union is provide scholarships for, let's say, a Vietnamese student to study in Thailand or for a uh, Indonesian student to go to the Philippines and so on. Right. Uh, very positive work. Yeah. How many people are there in your, in your NASO office? We have in total 22 staff. Right. Uh, that includes everybody. 
Are they all Dutch? Uh, no, it's me, and there is um, um, one other person who has Dutch nationality, even though her father comes from Indonesia. Um, so it also means that uh, the two Dutch people in our office, we both speak Indonesian, so we can work uh, in Bahasa Indonesia, all of us. Right. So the and the rest of the uh, uh, the rest of the people there are Indonesian. Are Indonesian? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, great. To 22, that's that's quite uh, large. But then you just mentioned, of course, the role within a wider Southeast Asia. So you're linking up institutions across across Southeast Asia then? Yes, we do. We, and that concerns uh, to the extent there is uh, activities to share information about studying in the Netherlands. That is a combined program between Vietnam, Thailand, and where these events take place, for example. Um, we also look, at, businesses look at Southeast Asia as one area. Uh, oh, so that's we, interesting. So Sorry we, to, uh, Brent, to break in, but but so in terms of corporate or, or business interests, Southeast Asia is a unit. It's not diff- all the different countries. So that's a, you provide as a NASO an important role for these business connections. Yes, because the, there are similarities uh, in terms of uh, geography, economy. There's also some differences, of course, uh, with Singapore being the main exception. Singapore, of course, is a city-state which is highly developed. And uh, Myanmar, Laos are probably the most, the least developed countries. Um, But there's a lot of similarities between the agriculture uh, problems, for example. We had a a regional alumni event in Bangkok in November. And it was very interesting to hear that actually most Southeast Asian countries are struggling with similar problems in the agriculture sector and in how to modernize the education in the agriculture sector. So uh, we will work with alumni regionally to try and do something about it, try to build a form of a campaign around it, maybe to make agriculture more popular. Right. That's an interesting, there's two interesting elements there, I think. On the one hand, you say regional and, and you mean then all those countries, is that correct? Yeah, or almost all of them. Yeah. And the other thing I think is is the subject of agriculture, which of course the Dutch have an extremely high level of knowledge and expertise in. Do you do you tap into that as a NASO Indonesia? We do. Uh, I think it's fair to say that uh, traditionally we were oriented a bit more on, at the level of MA and BAs, uh, but we uh, now are at the center of a large project that promotes improvement of vocational training in agriculture in Indonesia. And we have the intention to see if we can broaden that scope of that work uh, further into Southeast Asia. And um, the reason is, um, you know, vocational training still needs a lot of work it's in 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 pretty poor shape Uh, agriculture is essential for the economies of these countries it employs lots of people Um, and the dutch have so much to offer in terms of learning techniques in terms of curriculum in terms of you know how you do things if you want to engage young people how you link again a school to the business sector to make the curriculum more relevant uh, yeah. there's really a lot that we have to offer excellent sounds like a fantastic uh, uh, future development um 
you mentioned the agriculture. Of course, water is a subject we mentioned. I mentioned briefly in the introduction, but that must be also some a, a subject which you guys are busy with. Absolutely. Uh, for example, in the uh, uh, DUTEP program, which is a, a mutual exchange between the city of Jakarta and the city of Rotterdam, what it comes down to is that every year uh, we select um, about 10 people from staff uh, of the city of Jakarta, and they go to Rotterdam for an extended internship, about 10 weeks, and they spend time with the city of Rotterdam, with the port of Rotterdam, with the water board, Delfland, het waterschap in Dutch, which is a unique form of governance of water in the Netherlands, right. um, with Van Oort, which is a large uh, company involved in uh, water projects. Um, and they come back, and they come back with proposals for how to improve water management in Jakarta. And uh, sorry to interrupt you again, but Jakarta has had some recently had quite a lot of problems with that. Is that correct? Could you just sketch the situation over there in terms of these floods, which I think we've seen all across the media? Sure. It's um, uh, Jakarta has major flooding problems. Uh, the city is basically sinking. And that is mostly because uh, people, uh, you know, there's very little public water provision. So people have wells uh, in their own houses. Uh, so they drain the water from under their houses. Um, so there are parts of Jakarta that sink uh, 20 centimeters per year. My goodness, uh, 20 centimeters a year. Yeah, this is hard to imagine, I know. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, during the rainy season, uh, you have these moments that, you know, the, the whole sky comes down um, and um, uh, there's flooding. And flooding can be very serious, uh, can, you know, go, uh, can really flood people out of their houses, uh, yeah. victims. Um, so there is uh, an urgent need to support Jakarta uh, with the knowledge that we have in Dutch education institutions and, of course, in our own governance and, and, and governance systems uh, to help improve that situation. Absolutely. And uh, we do that uh, in Jakarta. We do that also in other cities on the north coast of Java, which are particularly vulnerable in Samarang, in Surabaya. Um, so it's uh, the, the involvement of the Dutch water engineers is pretty wide. And this will be no surprise to you after talking to me for a while. Guess what? Lots of alumni in the, the, the Indonesian <laughs> Ministry of Public yeah. Works who have yeah. studied yeah. at HIS in Delft and so on. Yeah, perfect uh, link again then, really, for, for NASA activity. Indonesia, very, very keen to sustain those relationships um, because uh, it is understood that this is a major problem that needs to be resolved uh, yeah. and there is still a long way to go. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another subject now, equally cheerful, I'm being sarcastic. Of course, we are all living amid the COVID-19 pandemic at the moment. And I wondered if you have a view on your role within this global situation at the moment and, and the role of the NASOs and looking ahead to where we might be in the future. I know it's a difficult call, but perhaps you've been thinking about that. Well, a, a lot of things are still uncertain, of course, but I'm not afraid that the uh, coronavirus will have a negative impact here because um, 
Indonesia is in need of better education and greater knowledge. It is a key priority for the government. And the Netherlands has a lot to contribute. And for example, we also don't see a drop in interest for scholarships or an interest to come and study in the Netherlands. Right. Uh, so, and, and, but what about uh, st- uh, in Dutch students uh, wanting to study in Indonesia or, or looking for an institution out there? At the moment, of course, everybody is suffering from travel restrictions. Correct. Uh, but we, the information that we receive is that Dutch students are keen to come to Indonesia. It definitely is a popular destination. And we are keen to work with the Indonesian government and the Indonesian institutions to make more and also newer forms of um, study and internships possible. We're even starting to talk about possibilities to create online internships. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, of course, that would fit in very much with the discussion we were just having about uh, COVID-19. Um, online internships, how would uh, any idea how that would, would, would work? Or is it too early days yet? Well, uh, we're experimenting with the idea. So it is a, a mix of, of course, online courses, but also online interactions between students and with uh, practice-oriented uh, people. Uh, so we're trying, you know, uh, first, of course, as an experiment to design that. Uh, our colleagues in India are also working on that. Um, uh, yeah, in response, of course, to the situation that we all face globally now, now, uh, that we will have to work more with online education. Yeah, so this could be, uh, uh, every, as I believe a Dutch footballer once said, every advantage has its disadvantage, or every disadvantage has its advantage. Um, this could be a, a new start for a new type of education. Right. Um, so that is exciting, and I think that also uh, uh, gives the relationship again a future. And within the comfort of those long-standing and trusted relationships between many Dutch and Indonesian higher education institutions, it's also easier to innovate together because you know each other well. Yeah, that's good. That's a very good point. I think is that the, every the one knows each other. Everybody knows each other a little bit better, and therefore it makes it easier to innovate. Do you think? Yeah, I think it does because people are comfortable with each other and also uh, you're not afraid to, you know, if you want to innovate, innovation comes with failure. You experiment and something goes wrong. Well, if you know each other well and you have a good relationship, that's okay, right? Yeah, yeah, Um, right. So I think there is ample room uh, also in the years to come for very productive and positive relationships in the education and knowledge fields between uh, Indonesia and the Netherlands. Right, that's great Great to hear. And of course, there are so many unknown unknowns at the moment that, that, that to speculate any further about where we will all be is, would be rather foolish. However, um, we are coming towards the end of our podcast now for a slightly less serious part. Um, and I would like to hear from you a recommendation that you might have, which we would not be able to find in the guidebooks, where you might like somebody to go to or recommend that they would go to, should visit if they are if they find themselves in Indonesia. That's on the one hand. On the second hand, just for and special COVID-19 lockdown edition, I'd like you to recommend one of your favourite YouTube films that people can access that will bring them towards Indonesia and, and help them get a sense of the culture. Okay. 
Um, where to go at an unexpected place? Yeah, um, something that's close to your heart, but that you won't find in a guidebooks. Hmm. That's a difficult question. Because, you know, you can spin this towards culture and you can spin this uh, towards nature. Spin uh, it towards okay. your heart, Peter. Spin it towards your heart. I would recommend people to go to Toradja, which is central Sulawesi, which is a beautiful area where there is a small population, the Toradja people, who have totally their own culture. They speak their own language. Uh, it's a unique setting. And for those who love to dive and snorkel, uh, go to Raja Empat in Papua, which is the ultimate paradise uh, if you want to see tropical fish, which is, if you talk about close to my heart, that is so incredibly beautiful to see tropical fish in their own environment. Highly recommendable to visit by the time that the travel restrictions have been relieved a bit. And I hope that will happen anytime soon. Yeah, you and me both. And I think a lot of people listening. Do you have any uh, tips for our online uh, listen, listeners who, who are just, uh, well, like us all, we are all confined to barracks at the moment. Something online which one could go and visit uh, uh, to illustrate this? Uh, I would have to look it up, but there is a movie made uh, about the, cre the, the, the postal road that the Dutch created uh, in the late 19th, early 20th century between Jakarta and Surabaya, which is called the Postweg. Uh, postweg. Yeah, so because it, of course, the, the mail, the post was transported over that road. Right. And uh, someone made a documentary about the whole road and how it was created. And it goes over the whole road. And you can learn so much about the whole country by following that movie. Very, oh, fantastic. Thanks for that. I will try and get that into the show notes on SoundCloud. Uh, we'll try and get a link in there for sure. uh, for the listeners. Thanks a lot, Peter. This has been a very fascinating conversation. Um, Thank you. It's great that we managed to get this organised uh, during these challenging times. And, uh, and to our listeners all over the world, you can keep up to date with the latest news and developments uh, at Nuffic uh, via their website, nuffic.nl. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, Please give us a thumbs up in SoundCloud if you like what you're hearing. And do let us know in the comments if you have any suggestions, which we always welcome. In the meantime, wherever you are and whatever you're doing, goodbye and good luck from the Our People Abroad podcast team here in the Netherlands. Um, thank you very much, Peter. It was great to have you on the show. And we really help, hope that all our listeners stay safe and healthy in these challenging times. Thank you. And thank you. Do you want to know more about the work of Nuffix Nesso offices or do you want to get in touch with one of our people abroad? Don't hesitate to contact us. You can find contact information on our website www.nuffix.nl slash international offices. Did you like this podcast? Please subscribe to our series on your podcast app so you will get a notification when the next episode is published. On our online content platform www.nuffic.nl/longreads, you can regularly find new blogs, long read articles, podcasts and videos about internationalization in education. You can also subscribe to our monthly newsletter on this platform.